right, everybody, with us this week, we are live at Long Live once again with assistant brewer Freddie Schwitt. Like the bike, got to make sure we got it right. <laughs> like the bike with the tea. Like a bike with the tea, but the assistant brewer of Long Live Beer Works. Uh, we're in Providence yet again. We had uh, Veronica a while back, and now we're making a two for two. So, yeah. the show, and how's everything going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. So, first off, we always like to start a show, a show with a cheers. Uh, so, salute. We're drinking here. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, this is relatively new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we packaged this up on Monday. Uh, this is a collaboration with Tox Brewing down in Connecticut. And uh, yeah, we used the Super Motueka hop, which is a, it's a product by a company called Phantasm. And basically they took uh, skins from Sauvignon Blanc grapes, which are high in files. It's a big buzzword right now. People are using phyllized yeast as a thing. Different hops carry different components of it. But they basically blended the grape skins with the Motueka hops and you get this killer, you know, lemon lime flavor goes awesome with the citrus it's good stuff definitely i mean look at the color first of all this is like yeah it's screaming like new england idea totally you know it's that's that's a speed for sure so to get things going freddie let's, let's tell the people who you are right um, where'd you come from um how'd you get into the craft beer and, and what brought you here yeah so it's actually quite a journey um my uh fiance and i we are from new jersey and about three or four years ago, we decided that we were going to move across the country to California. At the time, I had just broken into the beer industry. Um, I was just eager to learn more about it. We had gotten a homebrew kit together and uh, had just fallen in love with making that. And uh, at the time, I you know, was looking for a career change, said, hey, let me, let me get into beer, started working front of house, got into back of house, and then we decided to move. So we moved. I kept that going, right? I got myself a front of house job because that's my experience was. It was in a much more smaller place out there and, um, you know, just helped out the brewers where I could, where they needed me on packaging days, filling kegs, cleaning kegs, you know, learning how the pace of things worked, you know, what it looked like. And then we, you know, decided to leave California and we moved to New England where I found myself um, uh, again um, working in a front of house position but then was able to work into a back of house position uh, actually at Trillium and when I was able to build my career there uh, from the bottom of the like packaging team up to a cellarman and then I was driving from Rhode Island all the way up to Canton every day yeah. Which got to be a lot. Which got to be a lot. But uh, I learned so much, and uh, you know, they really set me up well. And I saw this opportunity at you know, uh, fiance and I had come here numerous times to just hang out and pick stuff up. We love long live. So when I saw this opportunity open up, I was like, this is my next career step. It's in a place that I love and have the utmost respect for. Jumped on it, and and here I am. And we'll dive into long live and what makes this place so special. I think our listeners know my name because we talk about it every couple of weeks. But what offhand was one of those places that you learned the most? So you have a lot of high-profile stops, right? And is there one that stands out that you that you think it was a turning point for you? I mean, along the way, Trillium was definitely the biggest for me. Like that was where I really moved into back of house full time and learned how things operated from a like on the floor standpoint, you know, as opposed to just watching from behind the bar while I'm while I'm working there. That was probably the biggest. But yeah. And what was a beer that you fell in love with that made you like realize you needed to do with a career in craft beer? Oh, um. 
hard question. I don't know about the career. I don't know about the career, but I know one that actually opened my mind and sort of kickstarted my curiosity with craft beer was uh, CBS from Founders, the Canadian Breakfast Stout. I had gone to a tap takeover with a friend and uh, had one. She's like, oh, like, you have to get this. I was like, okay. And I, guy's like, all right, yeah, $12. So I hand him my card and I get a glass this big. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> But then I sipped it and my, like, my world just, I had no concept of what beer could be. And I think from that point on, it just, all the curiosity just kind of took off from there. So it started in New Jersey for you. And we've had a couple of New Jersey folks on the show. A lot of restrictions going on in the state right now. As far as liquor. Any thoughts if you're up to date on that situation? And, you know, it's, it's you know, anything that's, uh, that's come to mind for you? As far as I know, it's tough. I have a number of friends who work down there in the industry. And I mean, like, it is weird. From what I understand, like, the state's doing weird stuff where, like, uh, weird laws with, like, food trucks and, like, even just being able to provide foods like snacks, like, to your people. And it, it's just bizarre. Like, you want, you want to, you know, you're trying to be a small local business and survive and, you know, you're, you want to give people a reason to come spend their afternoon, spend their evening and... It's like, what do you mean we can't have a food truck? What do you mean we have to, you know, get certain permits to have like, I don't know, somebody play music kind of thing? So it's, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough. I can imagine. And we have the complete opposite in Rhode Island. I mean, this is a no offense to Jersey, sorry Jersey, uh, but it might be better. Yeah, but Rhode Island is a flourishing craft beer industry. I mean, we knew Long was many years ago when it was back. In Fountain Street, a small location, and now we're, I mean, we just ran a brewery back in over 40 breweries in the state, so how do you see the, I mean, from your experience, like the craft beer scene in Rhode Island flourishing? Uh, I just think you see who's there right now really, really digging in. And I think it's a unique opportunity where you're seeing some new stuff still pop up, which I think is a beautiful testament to what craft beer has become everywhere. Is that, you know, there are, in a way, it's like as much as making beer is a science, it's an art. And like for people who are in love with that, uh, you know, you're still going to see new ones pop up and you're going to see people who are already there, like really sink their teeth in. And uh, I just, you know, whether it's expansion or whether it's doubling down on what they're doing. So you came back from California, you worked at Trillium, and then this pops up at Longwood. What was that process like? You mentioned like that was something you had to jump on. Why, you know, why Longwood and how did you get involved here? I, I had gotten into this because I wanted to be a brewer and uh, I wanted to learn to do it. And obviously I knew from a homebrew scale. And, uh, you know, it was, like I said, the, the commute there was, um, it was a lot. I was traveling a far way. And, uh, you know, so it was just nice to have that opportunity to be closer to home. And they make a great product that I love and respect. And, uh, you know, just it felt like the time to, to reach out. And I just reached out, said what's up, and we had our couple interviews, and there, <laughs> there it went. And we had this for a little bit later on, but a good time to bring up Armando, right? Who is basically Rhode Island beer royalty, and now even New England royalty. But, um, you know, you, you have to spend a lot of time with him, right? How has it been learning from him, and what are some of those things you picked up along the way from someone that a lot of folks in the state would consider visionary? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a great dude. He is incredibly passionate about what he does. He has a meticulous eye for detail. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from him is just like 
there are so many little parts of the process that you can you can dial in to you know get a phenomenal product and he has definitely translated that that passion and that keen eye uh, you know very well so he's a good dude to work with so you talked about you know starting as a home brewer and I mean we got the numbers here you got a 15 uh, barrel system with 730 barrel fermenters and a growing barrel room so how is that jump for you from <laughs> you know the little glass car boys that all three of us know to now okay this is some, this is some serious uh, horsepower yeah it's a lot it's a lot um, like a horsepower horsepower <laughs> horsepower big time it's a lot I'm comfortable with it you know like it was I think um you know the early shock and all of like the size of what a professional brew house looks like like that kind of set in and faded a while back for me like still it was like okay like i'm here to do a job i gotta do my work and um you know it's like i i still every once in a while like wrap up after a long day and it's like it's quiet you know uh i like to just kind of look around at the brew house and just like appreciate the size of that and like where things have gone um because it is it is cool it is neat it's definitely a different beast i think a lot of people when they hear a brewer they know that you're responsible for making beer but what a lot of people don't appreciate is what you're actually doing day to day so in layman's terms long run, what is your job basically uh no like the joke is like you know you're you're your stuff's only as good as how clean, like, you know, you keep everything. And cleanliness is definitely imperative to the beer process. So all jokes aside, that is a lot of what we do, you know, making sure that after a brew day that the brew house is thoroughly cleaned and rinsed and, you know, ready to go for the next one. Uh, that before you move any beer anywhere, like, you're using clean lines, clean parts. And if they're not there, you know, you have to stop and make sure that you're, that you're cleaning those. Like, and... Um, yeah, it's just something super important to be on top of. But in addition to that, I mean, we do a lot of things. We do like yeast management. So making sure that the yeast is healthy, uh, tracking the fermentation. So like every day we'll pull samples and we'll actually, we can read, you know, where that beer is in its process of from start to finish. And from there you game plan on, okay, like when are we going to need to do this or that to it? And you kind of build your schedule on the fly. Uh, you always have a plan, but like you have to constantly be evaluating that and ready to adjust at any point so it's a lot it's a lot of moving parts and it's so much more than just brewing beer yeah i mean from the home brewing perspective like we've messed up plenty of beers because like the sanitation process so on the larger scale like i can only imagine like how sanitized everything is yeah um from your perspective though i mean you've been here for a little bit of time but favorite beers that come to mind oh um, I mean, I'm a big fan of just the double IPAs that we do. I know it's uh, it might be cliche, but the all-seeing eye is definitely killer. Um, <clears throat> as we're talking about it, it's coming to my mind, but Through These Eyes is uh, a particular dipper that I really enjoy from here. Um, we use the... Uh, we use the citra like the cryo in that and that just adds such a nice soft texture and absolute pop to the flavor also a big fan of like the pvd pills i love i think you know we have a great program of like sort of the say maybe they're less appreciated or less popular styles right the lagers and the traditional ales and things like that and we do a tremendous job of some of those we just released our uh irish dry stout today it's for you know saint patty's day this weekend so but yeah, through these eyes, PVD pills, probably two of my favorites. Can you pitch frozen cup to someone that's never had it? Oh man, do you like uh, do you like fruit smoothies? It's it's like it's 
you know, massive amounts of fruit. I'd always say it's just the perfect amount of tartness. It's not overly sour. It's not overly sour, but it's also not overly sweet. And uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a great uh, line of fruit and sour that we do. And I, I think I can speak for both of us when I first had a frozen cup of like, you know, I, I wasn't expecting what was it's so creamy, it looks whatever, right? But it's it is a flavor combination like I don't think exists on this planet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, every single time I grab one, is it's like there's a new flavor every single time, and I'm uh -huh. like, well, I gotta try it, add it to the flight, and it's like they keep getting better. Oh, uh, cool. That's good to hear. Thank you. I mean, it's like because I think what Longdon does a great job. It's like your IPAs are unprecedented, not only in the state, but I would say in like the entire East Coast. But then you also do fun stuff where it's like you wouldn't expect a powerhouse of a brewery making incredible IPAs to do something so innovative like this. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely uh, it's a cool thing. Yeah, cool. No, I appreciate it. It's uh, they're definitely delicious. I think we do a great job with them. With that too, um, you don't have to give any spoilers, but what's on tap for you guys right now? You know what's uh, what's cooking up uh, in the back? Oh. Well, uh, we got uh, just some fun stuff. You know, <laughs> you know, it's a good yeah. Teaser, right? like, yeah, it is a good teaser. What can uh, consumers, you know, maybe? Well, you can always bank on like some rotating classics, right? Like we don't necessarily do like a flagship, but we always have like a rotation of like, you know, the fan favorites that you'll always have, you know, one or two of them around or coming around very soon. And usually there's always something new and fun in the works that like, you know, maybe Armando's gotten curious about like, oh, what if we do this with an IPA? You know, so something like that. We just did a couple new IPAs recently. Uh, Fire, Blood, and Steel was a fun one that it just, I think it's just the, you know, the way we blend the ingredients and, and make it work. But that one just hit, had a great body, great aroma to it. Um, and then there's, al there's always some fun classic stuff too. Like, uh, like I said, the Dry Irish Stout is something that is, uh, you know, incredible. And another another fun uh, traditional ale right around the corner. It's about All to come that, out. You mentioned Armando sort of experimenting and tweaking certain things. Let's play this out. Sorry, Armando. You had free reign over the back. What would be the first thing that you like? Is there something you've been dying to brew that? Like, wow, that would taste really good. It's just so out there. It's different. What's that number one for you? It wouldn't deviate too much. It wouldn't deviate too much. No, I think me personally, I would, I would take everything I've learned and I would, I would put it in a pale ale. Uh, you know, like a nice like four and a half, five percent IPA, given given the same like body texture and flavor. Like you know, I would want to, I wouldn't change too much. Crushable. 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 Crushable is a great way to drink beer. <laughs> so that's the long side of your story. Let's talk about a little bit more of yourself. So All right. I won't do the devastating loss of the Super Bowl, Jesse. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. So we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get there. So I'll yeah, tee up. Drink some more beer so you can see. <laughs> that's fine. Tell us about the Moot Point Fermentation Project. Whoa. Moot Point Fermentation Project. Uh, I didn't expect this to come up. This is a fun little uh, just hobby, a home thing that um, my fiance and I started. You know, it's it's really nothing right now. We just we like to mess around with fermentation. You know, I think it's a very healthy way to approach food. And um, I don't know, in a so yeah, it's a, we do everything from like hot sauce to pickles, and then obviously it was like branching off of our love for home brewing, which is how it started. 
And yeah, just, we just like to play with it, share it with our friends and family, do a little Christmas basket every year for everyone. It's fun time. You're a hot sauce guy. I love hot sauce. What's your favorite hot sauce? Oh, um, are we talking like pain or flavor? Ooh, I like both. Well, give, give us both. Yeah, we, now we need to know. Um, you can't bring that up and not give us your Yeah, name. no, for real. I love, I love the bomb. I don't know who makes it, but I love the bomb. Um, it, it's, it's, not, it's been on hot ones. It is painful. <laughs> I had it once at a time back in California, and then recently at a, at a uh, barbecue with some friends, uh, one of these kids just pulled it. Brought this hot sauce, but showing something else, we just like brought this hot sauce. I'm like, what? Give me some of that. Like, crazy. It's good. It's spicy. Oh God, it's good. Um, there's another, another spot. I think it's called. Oh, the name's escaping me. But it was like it was basically infused with like lion's mane mushroom, and that was killer. That was something I've never had before. Have you tried hot sauce. the red hot sauce? Love reds. Yes, yes, I love reds. Yes. Yes. Reds makes killer hot sauce. I actually have two bottles of theirs in my fridge right now. The the Thai chili hot sauce and the uh, the hop sauce that they actually make with Citra. It's got a Thai chili. It was awesome. It was awesome. Salmon. Ah, you put on whatever you want. You put on a spoon. <laughs> no, I love. I love it with like. I love like ramen. Like my lunch is quick and easy. You know, I love it with some ramen. I always say rice is the best vehicle for hot sauce. Mm -hmm. It's nice and easy. You know, I love a good chicken wing with a good hot sauce. But if you're trying to taste the hot sauce, rice is nice and bland. You need a whole lot of it. Just right on there. Love it. This is uh. It's a hot sauce podcast. Hot sauce podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing that doesn't normally get associated with beer drinkers is fitness people. Mm. You're also a big fitness junkie as well, so tell us about some of the endeavors you've done in the past with that, and also just your love for, love for the sport. Yeah, so that was actually my career prior to craft beer, which is very ironic. Big know. jump. Big jump. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it really is, is important to me. I, in through my college years, I was not the healthiest and towards the like you know end of my term there my junior and senior year i or any of us though <sighs> right exactly <laughs> exactly and the college year yeah you know i just i don't know something something clicked in my head I started to apply myself a little bit more to that took my eating more seriously taught myself how to cook and uh you know just exercise became important to me i originally wanted to be a physical therapist i got a job as an aide and uh it was just it was not the pace for me and uh, so I was just like, well, I'm almost done my major now. Like, I have to do something with it. So I got my PT cert. And, um, you know, I love training people. I love training people. I met my fiance in a, in a gym where I was working. And, uh, you know, it's, that's a huge, like, cornerstone of, like, you know, value that we both hold in our lives. I think it's really important. We can support each other and, like, you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, all through our moves, like, as much as I was working in beer, like, I simultaneously have fitness jobs. My time in California, I was getting up at 4.30, not even, 4 o'clock, 3.30 a.m. to be in at 4.30. I would coach until, like, 10.30, do my workout, come home, eat lunch, nap, and then go to the brewery and work from, like, 4 until 8 or 9 and then go back the next day, you know? But uh, it all led me to, like I said, becoming a brewer was my goal and uh, gave me the opportunity to, you know, really transition into this career because I had that already lined up. I had that, like, experience so I could get those jobs and help that transition. And then now that I'm here, I've been able to talk with a lot of 
brewers and friends who, you know, fitness is like you said, is not popular in, in the brewing industry. So like just to help people still, like, it's like, I still have that inner coach in me. It's just like, you know, how can we, you know, I don't know, like get a couple healthier foods, like learning how to apply that to your life and meeting yourself where you're at. I still, I still try and inspire people. Well, I was going to say, when you make a healthy meal, it's <laughs> crushable. Yeah, crushable. 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 I like to crush really go. Yes. Um, I'll be the guy. Um, the Eagles. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna start talking about the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, this gives me great joy as a Patriots fan. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, did the Super Bowl give me any joy? First, I had to watch the Chiefs win too. Like, I know. Um, you're an Eagles guy. Yeah. Sorry for the loss again. Sorry. Wagon of a Chiefs team. Um, yeah. First of all, were you like super into it or consider yourself like a diehard fan? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, we were in the first one. Sorry about the pass in the first one. You know. I, we need far more. <laughs> oh. We were uh, we were in in Philly the night of the first Super Bowl, and then marched our way down to Broad Street, and it was absolute. Uh, it was the happiest chaos I've ever been a part of. I'll just say that. Have you ever climbed a pole? No. No. Do you ever plan to? Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably. Nah, yeah, probably. See how many crushables I put down before this. <laughs> um, yeah, but overall, um, yeah, jokes aside, satisfied with the season? You know, oh, was, yeah. uh, you know was, this, was this sort of, obviously I think it was more than any Eagles fan expected, but like, so, you were all happy or disappointed with that I'm very happy. I'm obviously, like, bummed. lost, right? And those emotions have settled. But, like, super optimistic looking forward. I think, like, Jalen Hurts is absolutely special. I love the man's mentality. I love the man's leadership. And the fact that he's as young as he is, like, like you said, I don't think any Eagles fan expected it to go like this. Um, I said when I think we, were, we won, like, the third game, I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like, we're, we're going. And then there we went, and, and then there it went. But you know, oh, it was. Oh, it was a phenomenal game. It was a phenomenal game. It was. It was. And Jalen Hurts put on an absolute dynamic performance in there. To be that young, and to be to show up in that way, it, you know, Chiefs are a great squad. There's no no disrespect to them or to Patrick Mahomes, but uh, yeah. What's more concerning is all the movements that have been happening free agency wise oh, in the yeah. last couple of days. Jake's a noted Pats fan. I'm a noted Giants fan. So I kept my mouth shut in the beginning. <laughs> I am praying on right the right right now. You know, did say in times like this, but you're losing. You're losing, guys. I mean, Darius like that was that was out of the blue. I was, I was out of the blue. Couldn't, couldn't figure out the money situation with your cornerback. No, say no. love That surprised me though. That actually like I was surprised. I was yeah. very surprised. Uh, we got we signed Bradbury. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we retained one of him. Gonna rub that in the face of a Giants fan. Yeah. My hope he's got Darren Waller. He's gonna be strong. He's gonna be, uh, he's gonna we're be crazy. Gonna be, how that went down separately it is because uh, apparently Josh McDaniels leaked that he was getting married this past week, and that's why yeah. Waller. He was getting married to one of the uh, Kelsey Bloom on the Yes. The yes. Apparently she was a little salty about it too. They didn't get the invite to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the video of her chucking like a t-shirt talk and chucked something two levels like? Oh, it was crazy far. That was, that that was, was crazy far. Yeah. I think it was a t-shirt. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But anyway. 
you re-signed Boston Scott, though, which is a Giants killer. So that's, but, I mean, TJ Edwards, uh, Javon Hargrove, Andre Dillard, Marcus Epps. Yeah, that was a guy that the Patriots had said, no, it's serving calls. But, yeah, is that where he went? Did he go to the I don't know. You went to Dillard. Bad radio. <laughs> I know, I know. Hargrove wins the 49ers. Yeah, um, which good for Hargrove because like we, I don't think we ever had it in the budget to pay him what he deserved. He got what he deserved. He had an absolute phenomenal. He's gonna have a great career. Yeah, and you guys sure. got you guys brought back Jason Kelsey, who is like more of a lock. I mean, he's still a Pro Bowl center. Like, yeah. There's no yeah. lineman can live up to 45 years old in the NFL and yeah. be phenomenal, but he is a locker. Yeah, he's a locker. Yeah. But, What's next? I mean, the money situation, you, I know in the back end of your mind, you're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts in like two years. I know. And he's going to be like, the way the quarterback market is, I know. he's going to be uh, $50 million plus a year minimum. I know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be draft smart. And, you know, and how we trust. He got us, he, he got us here. So, like, you know, my hope is that this year we – my hope is that this year with cutting Slay, while that, while that hurts my heart uh, – my hope is that we can sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson back and get him back. And then with that 10th pick, we can take a cornerback. Preferably, I would love if the guy from Clemson fell to us. I would love to have him uh, just so we can keep that cornerback spot. And then from there, you're just going to have to you're just going to have to draft smart and make signings where you can. I mean, we got A.J. Brown for I think I think it was four years. Devontae Smith is still on his rookie contract. Like that's a great that's a great duo to go with. A great duo. I believe he's still on a rookie contract, as far as I know. Yeah. Which oh man, he's been like Zach Ertz was also tremendous. And I think the only reason they had cut him was or cut him or traded him, whatever, moved on from him, was because like Goddard was so talented, you know? And it really is awesome to have all those weapons all around. And running backs, I feel like running backs are just a revolving door in the NFL. You guys got one of the special ones, whereas, like, you know, everybody. He's that dude. He, he is, is that dude. dude. He, he is that dude. dude. He is going to be. He shut a lot of people up this year. Saquon. Yes, he did. I, I don't want to hear people being like, never pay for a running back because you don't make the Super Bowl. Saquon Barkley is more than that. He's a, yeah. two, he's a, he's a dual threat. He's your wide receiver two, three. Yes, he is. Running back one. He creates space. Saquon Barkley is a generation. I think he's yes, the, he here's my hot take, he's the reason you think Daniel Jones took a step up this year? I think so. I don't know. You think so? I think so. I mean, like, Daniel Jones has never had offensive coordinators back-to-back seasons. He's had different head coaches. I mean, to make the playoffs with no wide receivers, I mean, Kenny Galladay was useless, but you have guys like Isaiah Hodgins, who was picked off the waivers, and uh-huh. Darius Slayton, who was a fourth-round pick, mm-hmm. who, again, talented young wide receivers. They are not your DeAndre Hopkins, Steph, uh, right. Stephon Diggs, AJ Browns. They're not tier one. They're right. not tier one. Right. So, yeah, I, I they had no tight ends. They had Saquon, literally, Saquon and Daniel Jones yeah. holding that team together, and they made the playoffs. So, they, watch out. Yeah. Watch out. Watching. <laughs> Early prediction for, like, is football your sport? Is, is there another sport that stands out? Uh, I love them all. Big, big, all Philly teams, right? Eagles, what's Sixers, it, Flyers. What's on tap for the Phillies this year? 
Oh, we're going back. Wow. We're going back. back. Yeah, you're run saying, it back. You're saying the Mets, I don't care what Uncle Stevie did. The Mets are the Mets, dude. The Mets, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets are going to Mets. Screw Verlander. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They did bring Verlander. Yeah, it's a little scary. Uh, they lost to Grom, so. Yeah. You know, what injury from, I don't know. Yeah. No, I would love to see the Phillies go back. What an exciting uh, just year for them last year. It was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. I'll, I'll say a prayer for the Flyers for you. <laughs> yeah, they're the, uh, they're, yeah. <laughs> the odd man out. That's, that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, they're uh, the rough ones right now. What's the ceiling on the Sixers this year, do you think? <sighs> Dude, I'm just. They've had a lot of ups and downs. As a trend. Philadelphia fan, I am getting ready for more heartbreak. Oh. I would not be surprised. I just want to make it out of the second round of playoffs. That, I'm not asking for a run. I just want to make it to the conference finals. <laughs> I just want to get out of out of the uh, like just the first second round. We've got I think that bounce every could couple be a of years this year, though. You have oh, the Knicks be. who started to to win some games, and the Celtics yeah, who are you know they have their body of work. Celtics are a so wagon. They're a wagon. Crazy. Are you an Embiid guy? Yes, big time. Yes. Love Joel Embiid. Yeah, I love his attitude. I love his personality. I love the way he plays the game. Yeah, he's he is he embodies Philadelphia through and through. So we'll we'll close the sports part of this with this. Okay. Which one of the next or which one of the four Philly teams is next to win the, the title? Oh, because there are two that were literally right there at the finish line. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Or is it somebody else? Is it the Sixers that usurps them all, or? The Flyers magically. <laughs> the fl- it's not the Flyers. It's not the Flyers. Yeah, the Union actually the union, too. Yeah, the Union could be. It's not a bad take. It was tough. The Union will get um, I'm going with the Birds. I'm going with the Birds. I I really do think there's something special in Jalen Hurts. I really do trust that Howie Roseman's gonna put a squad together. All the NFL is so it's so dramatic this time of year. Everything's just speculation. You're like all well, like strength of schedule, this and that. Like I think we're gonna be fine. I think we're gonna get in the playoffs when we have to. And Jalen Hurts is such a leader. Uh, you know he's got a lot to live up to, but I, I think he gets it done for us. All right. Well, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hosting us. Okay. Where can our listeners find more about Long Live? Learn about your stuff that you're working on, and uh, get plugged away the floor is yours. Yeah, so I mean, long live, we're here. We're slowly but surely making our way out and about into uh, you know, bottle shops and bars around the greater Boston area there. Um, but old break here is always going to be the best spot to uh, come and get our stuff. Um, if you want to follow one of my little experiments, Boot Point Firm Garage is uh, a little Instagram handle. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Love it. Excellent. Freddie, thanks so much for the time, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, wish you could the best, but not in the Philly sports. Not too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I understand. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we do. Wish <laughs> 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 the, the IPAs yeah. and Pilsers uh, and Crushables were success in Philly sports. Uh, yeah. We'll meet you there. Hey, how's my career? Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, everybody, we finally all got together for the quarterback room. Uh, Some big names already got off the board, but this is the quarterback room episode. We are joined by Jordan Laube and Clubfoot Jim, James Moss, two of our NFL guys. Um, Gentlemen, how are we doing? How's how's the early days of free agency going? And how do you feel your teams are uh, faring thus far? It's – Cardinals are just – 
flopping around, which I don't mind. I'd rather build up cap room and suck this year and have insane draft capital for next year. Um, so I'm kind of fine with what the Cardinals are doing. I'd rather see what the young guys we've drafted, see what they can do and go from there. But overall, like in terms of actual free agency, I think it's been really solid so far. Um, seen a lot of interesting moves, especially in the quarterback market, which we'll touch upon in a little bit. Um, just overall really good. There's been no real surprising moves so far. Um, or at least nothing I'm really shocked by maybe Ezekiel Elliott getting cut, even though he has been down trending, I think just that massive cap hit they're going to take on it, um, is kind of shocking. But other than that, really, there's been nothing that I've been like, oh, wow, that's a surprise. Jimmy boy. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for the jets here, um, I think we're really still just getting started. Um, obviously we have Alan Lazard, which is a cool pickup and then, you know, it's, it coincides with the potential Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, got some more clarity today on that, which I was excited about. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, um, so far not much going on. Um, just re-signed Solomon Thomas. So good defensive line depth, but we're just getting going. So I would like to congratulate the both of you Clubfoot and Jordan, because we have been talking about the quarterback room episode for, I would say, I don't know, well, maybe seven weeks. Like we kept, we closed out every episode. Like, dude, we're going to have this quarterbacks episode. Like we promise we're going to have this and we're here. We've, we've done it. We floated an emergency episode. We have floated a few different formats, but this is what we are opting for because what better way to bring in the NFL experts of the house. So I would just like to congratulate both of you for, for being part of this historic moment. Thank you. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots of gratitude going around here. All right, let's, <laughs> let's dive into the fun. Um, what a bombshell from Aaron Rodgers. We knew he was in some sort of funk. We knew he was going to make some decision we didn't know what it was. It could have ended up with him retiring or it could have then could have ended up with him back in green Bay, but instead his intention is now to play with the New York jets and Clubfoot will turn to you because the jets are your fandom here. But what are your thoughts? Surprised, uh, happy, anxious, not happy at all. Where, where's your head at? Yeah. Um, yesterday was hell. Um, when the the whole wish slash demand list came out um, that Diana Rossini was talking about, um, it it felt like I was being held hostage as a fan. Um, that Aaron Rodgers had a gun to my head and was force feeding me DMT. But going forward, I'm I'm looking, I'm feeling more excited now. I mean, Alan Lazard yesterday was obviously positive in that direction towards getting um Aaron Rodgers and him indirectly saying not saying that he intends to play for the Jets today was. You know, it, it felt good to finally, like, just hear it coming from him. I feel like it's been speculated for, I don't know, weeks ever since their meeting in Northern California. And then the Trey Wingo tweet that I hate him for now. Um, I don't know, like, like a lot of emotions going on, a whirlwind of emotions. But going forward today, I'm, like, feeling a little more positive about it. It's not done yet, but, you know, we're getting there. Is what was more – what was more – I was going to say, what's more wild? Like, the demand list from Aaron Rodgers – or the amount of shit he's giving to reporters. He pretty much told on Pat McAfee, Diana Rossini, like, 
don't talk to me. Adam Shefford, loot is my number. Yeah. Um, AJ Hawk was kind of like asking him questions and he was getting a little snippy. It's like, you decided to come on the show to release your announcement, but not release your announcement. Why are you giving the press hate? I think this is like kind of just what we've come to learn and expect from Aaron Rodgers at this point. It's crazy, man. It, yeah, he's just not normal. And I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment, but he's just not normal. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I'd love Schefter just kind of owning it and tweeting the the screen grab of uh, <laughs> the text. What was it? Nice try, bro. Lose my number. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely. The first line was lose my number. I forgot what the yeah. yeah. Lovely's all over it. Yeah, it was. Um, Periods like. <laughs> yeah, like, he ended it with a period. You know, he was, but he doesn't capitalize his. The first letters of, you notice that he doesn't capitalize the first letters of his sentences like he's trying to be edgy. Um, <laughs> but you know, I have some shit to give to Schefter too because in the screenshot, he did not capitalize the A in Aaron's first name in his contract. True. So, okay. Yeah. So that's equally as that is a slight uh, dig. I would take that as an insult personally. Um, so the, if I had yeah. any one of you guys with a lowercase name. <laughs> <laughs> like if I had Jordan as like lowercase J Jordan, you'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like that's yeah, what I'd, I mean to you, a lowercase. I feel like I'm not important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the official text was "lose my number." Period. Good try though. Period. Okay. That uh, sounds like something Aaron Rodgers would say yeah. in that exact manner. I could hear him saying it like live on the Pat McAfee show too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he he did provide clarity on the wish demand list which i appreciated um not it's not a demand like he doesn't he doesn't require these four players to be on the team in order for him to be traded um he just talked about them in a good light during their uh, meeting with the jets brass but i mean i you know i think he would still prefer some of his guys over there um it does seem kind of unrealistic and just not necessary i don't know why anybody would want mercedes lewis on their football team in the year 2023 um Randall Cobb is like maybe I take him as an assistant wide receivers coach, um, and I mean Odell Beckham is like who wouldn't want Odell Beckham Jr. But um, yeah, I think the the craziest part is is just you know he's kind of burned all his bridges and it's just big fuck you to everybody. So, I guess my question is, what are you trading for Aaron Rodgers, and what contract are you gonna end up giving him? I assume. I mean, we're going to take on the two years that he's got with Green Bay. Um, hopefully, we'll try to restructure some of that $60 million guaranteed or Green Bay splits the guaranteed money down the middle somehow. I don't know how that's all going to work out. Um, there is optimism that you can avoid sending a first-round pick over, which would be great. So it looks something like Corey Davis, the second, and maybe one or two other elements of the trade. Um, but that's something I could live with. I think when you get to the first-round pick um, – Obviously, I would take it, but I'd start feeling a little worse about it considering it's a shorter window with Aaron Rodgers and say like Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson, not comparing the two to each other, but they are younger. Um, yeah, Corey Davis is second and some other elements I think would be something that I could sit back and look on with, you know, pretty satisfied. I don't know. I, think, I was going to say, I think like, our first round is going to get tossed in there. Yeah, it sounds like. I mean, where does this put the Jets to is a question for the broader group. And maybe Jordan, too, is sort of somebody with no skin in the game, right? Other than 
a football analyst, like, does this make the Jets – where does this put them? So, just from a roster construction standpoint, the defense is loaded. The offense has a lot of good pieces in place. If they get Aaron Rodgers, this is – I don't want to say a Super Bowl contending team is in, like, they're definitely going to make it, but they will be a top three team in the AFC next year, even with a loaded AFC East. Um, whether that's the Bills, Dolphins at 1-2, and then Jets at 3, and the Chiefs – you know, go somewhere else this year. I doubt they will. Pass catch um, ricochet shot. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's off topic. It's going to be a really tough division for the Pats this upcoming season. Sorry, Jake. But overall, okay. they have the roster to be a really good playoff contending team. I mean, they were seven and three at one point in the season and were ready to make a playoff push and things kind of just fell apart uh, through the second half of the season. So in that sense, this would put the Jets as a, at the minimum, the top 10 team in the league um, in terms of how long you're going to have Aaron for and how long that Super Bowl window is going to be open. Cause that's the new big thing. Now, how long is your Super Bowl window open for? That's where it gets a little complicated is, is Aaron only going to play one season and then go back to his cave for four days and then be like, yeah, I'm done. Cause on the pod, he said he was 90% towards retirement before entering into the cave. Um, and whether he was more leaning towards retirement until all the news came to light last week or being in the cave took him away from retirement and put him back into that playing mindset, that's up for debate. He didn't really clarify that on the show. He said those were factors into it, but he never said he would 100% retire or not um, or exactly where he was feeling right after the cave. But that's also something you got to consider. So I think if you give up a first-round pick, you hope Aaron's there for a minimum three years. You know, because whether that's a first-round pick for 2023 or 2024, that's a big pick you lose. In return, you get a four-time MVP caliber player. You have someone who reshaped the Packers franchise after the whole Brett Favre debacle at the end, um, got them a Super Bowl, put them in a really good position franchise-wise, regardless of giving him any help throughout free agency, throughout the draft. I, they've never taken a first-round wide receiver since he's been the starting quarterback there. Um, yeah, they got Devontae Adams, who uh, arguably still is the best receiver in the NFL and has been the best receiver for the past five seasons. So, yeah, he did get help in later rounds, but they've never really picked up a superstar guy from him. If he goes to the Jets, which is most likely the case, he'll have Garrett Wilson – He'll have hopefully Elijah Moore can get revitalized in the slot, you know. So, Jets are in a really, really good spot with Aaron Rodgers, regardless of if Alan Lazard and Cobb come in and they get rid of Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. He's going to have his number one receiver in Garrett Wilson, which will talent wise should be the best receiver he's ever had at that point in their career. Garrett Wilson going into year two is one of the more talented receivers in the NFL period in the past decade. So when does this deal get done? <laughs> um, I don't know. Rodgers is going to make you believe it's all on uh, the Packers side, which I don't – I think it's probably, you know, 60, 65% on the Packers in terms of what they want from us and how hard they're going to bargain for it. Um, I would like sometime by middle of next week, like if it's not done in a week from today, I'll be um, more pes- – um, more pessimistic towards the idea of it than I am optimistic. But um, I think a week is a good window, um, especially now that it's out in the public and, you know, there's, there's more eyes on it. Um, 
there, there's probably more pressure for it to get done. But yeah. Fair here's enough. another guy that we're all sort of waiting on, right? And that is, uh, you know, the Rogers situation was unique. Jordan mentioned the cave to <laughs> the cave a few times, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, but a, a, a real interesting one is Lamar Jackson now too. So he's been franchise tagged. Um, he's able to negotiate with other teams, which is where I don't get the whole franchise tag stuff. It's like, you know, I guess he was imposed the type of tag that you can do that. Whatever. I was yeah. this, this season years old when I found that, that you can do that. But <laughs> I can explain uh, that a little further. Um, please do. Yeah. So there's three different types of franchise tag. You have the exclusive franchise tag, which is the one that's usually given out. What that does is it takes the top five salaries of that position, takes the average of it and applies it to that player as the franchise tag. So let's say the top five earners, the average salary is 10 million. Let's say it's for a running back. If you want to put a franchise tag on that running back on your team, it's a one-year contract worth $10 million. After that, it gets a little, it's the same thing, like top five salaries of that same position or 120% of that salary going into next season, whichever is greater, that number is applied. Um, so that works for both the exclusive and the non-exclusive, which is what Lamar Jackson got was non-exclusive. It works the same way, but now he has the ability to go out and negotiate with other teams. And how that works is let's say the Falcons turn around. I don't I don't think the Falcons will, but let's say the Falcons turn around tomorrow and they have, offer Lamar Jackson a five-year, $250 million deal fully guaranteed. It won't happen, but let's say it does. If the Ravens come back around, they have I, – I don't think it's 48 hours. I think it's longer, but I think they have less than a week to match that offer. If they match that offer, then they keep Lamar Jackson until the Falcons or another team presents a larger offer. If they don't match that offer within that time span, the Falcons then get Lamar Jackson in return, but then give up their next two first-round picks or their first-round picks in two consecutive seasons. So another team we could use, for example, is the Lions. So the Lions have the sixth overall pick and the 18th overall pick. If the Lions were to pick up that franchise tag and they got Lamar Jackson, they would give up the second of their two first-round picks this year. So they wouldn't have to give up the sixth overall pick. They would have to give up the 18th. And then the following season, let's say they had two first-round picks again, they would give up the second of the two first-round picks. Does that make sense? It's so sort of clear to me. Like I, I, I get it. it's basically like you know you're you're it's kind of like a qualifying offer where they give him the you know they give him the offer they they retain him right, but mm -hmm. if he signs somewhere else, they also get compensated. It, it I think that's it makes logical sense. Yeah. I think I think it's five days to match the offer. I'm gonna, I think it's five. Yeah. I'm going to fact check myself right now, but I think it's five. Yeah, question, I think I read somewhere it was five. Question for you though, Jordan. It doesn't cost a team to talk to Lamar Jackson. No, it does not cost them anything. Just time that so they would why, rather spend elsewhere. Why do you think that all of these teams that desperately need a quarterback that all have young, talented rosters that can make a jump in their respective decisions? immediately balked on the idea of Lamar Jackson when this whole situation unfolded. 
So I think it's there's been a lot of speculation. Is it collusion with the owners? Is it people not believing in Lamar Jackson, which is with his quote unquote injury history, which he really he had two bad injuries where he landed on a cold hard turf and someone landed on him. I don't think that makes someone injury prone. I just think it would it just happened. Um, whether it's, it's the case of the injury thing or the fact that it's collusion between the owners, I think it leans more towards the owner side where. They don't like what Haslam did with the Browns giving Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract after not playing for two years, that this is all the owners getting together and basically saying, hey, fully guaranteed contracts for quarterbacks are not a thing. We don't want to make it a thing. We want to protect ourselves. We want to protect our franchise so we can build healthy rosters and put our team in the right position to win as many Super Bowls as possible. Let's not give Lamar – let's not even consider Lamar Jackson toy around with the idea – Let's just put it back on the Ravens and show that, one, the Ravens are right, that Lamar's not going to get a fully guaranteed contract no matter where he goes. But, two, let's protect ourselves as owners because if Deshaun Watson gets a fully guaranteed and the following offseason Lamar Jackson gets a fully guaranteed, every superstar quarterback is going to get a fully guaranteed contract moving forward, and that is going to kill cap room and salary caps for a lot of teams going forward in the future. I think players should get the money that they deserve, and Lamar Jackson definitely deserves uh, almost $200 million, if not more, me personally. But the owners, as we know billionaires are, are going to be frugal with their money and are going to be smart about it. So I think it's more so the owner saying, we are not making this the norm. We are going to stand firm. And if we even talk to Lamar Jackson, then we're entertaining the idea that a fully guaranteed contract is at least feasible, which in all their minds is not. I'd like to I add think to that. A lot of, yeah, go, go ahead. Um, in sort of the uh, like the here and now, the right now sort of um, timeline that if – so you're talking to Lamar Jackson, you offer him, I don't know, five years, 250, 250 million guaranteed. That is, say, the first year of cap hit is, is 50 million. Once you offer him that, that is 50 million you can't spend on other free agents because that is set aside to potentially Lamar Jackson agreeing. And the Ravens then have five days to come back and match that offer. That's five days without being able to negotiate $50 million towards other free agents, which kind of effectively chokeholds um, your free agency for your franchise. The, um, the last franchise tag option real quick to cover is called the transition tag. It's um, similar to the, not, uh, to the non-exclusive. It takes – you can negotiate with other teams, um, but instead of the top five average salary, it's the top ten average salary of your position. It was done with Kenyon Drake, I believe, a few years ago. I can't recall when else it was implied, um, but just also wanted to cover the transition tag since that is the third one. It's not used often, but it can be useful if it's a low lucrative position market. So amongst this crew right here, because I think the – Ravens have put themselves in a sticky situation where they should have just got the deal done. I think Lamar Jackson is a very talented player. I think he's more than just a running back. He's a dual threat quarterback. Um, he's an MVP. He, I think his record's like 42 and 16. It's something ridiculous. Like the guy is a winner. I think the Ravens will get the deal done, but where does everyone stand? Do you think he is playing in that Ravens purple in Baltimore or is he playing elsewhere? I think he's a Raven for life, honestly. And that might be 
not what he wants, but I think it, it, the way the Ravens have him right now in this negotiating situation and his refusal to get an agent and like, you know, Jordan kind of said with the owners, um, not wanting to have guaranteed contracts be the norm. It, it's looking like he's going to have to settle for something with the Ravens. I'm going to give a, a dark horse here. And I'm not saying I think this is necessarily where he goes, but it's been, I, I'm weirdly seeing, um, you know, I'm weirdly seeing a good fit in San Francisco for him. I think they would win it all every year if he was their quarterback, right? <laughs> Who knows what Purdy's going to bring, right? I think that's mm-hmm. sort of the most outlandish take you'll hear that, hey, Lamar's going to San Francisco. I don't think that happens this year if it happens at all. But part of me says, like, if you're San Francisco, you just, you know, you sort of just pawned out, um, you know, Jimmy G, who was a serviceable guy these past couple of years, and Fields is a question mark, and is Purdy a, a one-trick pony? Was he a um, – was he just a fun storyline from this last year? There's a big part of me that loves that. Like, imagine the San Francisco 49ers with Lamar Jackson. That would be absolutely dirty. So dirty. So that's more of a pipe dream than a, than a prediction, but that's, that's where my head's at. What would be funny enough is that if he went to the 49ers, I believe that would mean the 49ers would have given up less to get Lamar Jackson at his massive contract he'll end up getting versus what they traded up a few picks to get <laughs> Trey Lance for. Um, so I think that would be hilarious if that happened. Um, just based on you traded all those picks to get an, I'm not going to say unproven. He was very good in college, but a rookie, all rookies are unproven to a certain extent. Then you did on Lamar Jackson, who's an MVP caliber player and is a top 10 guy in the league when healthy. I think that just be the perfect staple for the 49ers franchise for how they pick and choose their players and how they work in Shanahan system. I mean, the talent with Lamar Jackson, CMC, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, Debo, Debo, mm-hmm. like that's you have a like four or five running back slash some other position compos on that team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't forget about Juice Check. Don't forget about the fullback, of course. Fullbacks do matter. Um, this is a perfect segue into uh, faces we know in new places because with the 49ers, they just added Sam Darnold. Now, does that move the needle for them? Um, I don't think yeah, so. out on Lamar because they have Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold back in <laughs> Sam Darnold back in California. You know, is he is he gonna lead them to the promised land like he did for the Trojans? I don't know, but you know, we do have a lot of big names that have moved around. Derek Carr, four years, one hundred and fifty million, over to the Saints. Jimmy G, three years, seventy-two and seventy, almost seventy-three million to the Raiders. Taylor Heineke, two years, $14 million to the Falcons. Uh, we got guys like Andy Dalton, Jared Stidham, Brissett, Mike White, RIP. Uh, a lot of decent names. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll start off with uh, Derek Carr. Like the move, like the contract. What do we feel about that? I can go first here. I think um... – 150 i mean logical people look at this and say like yeah did they pay too much probably but you have Derek carr's experience and i'm actually gonna 
I'm going to pull up his resume right now um, to make sure we've got the facts straight because there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks that are out on this. I, I'm weirdly sort of in, right? So we've got a four-time Pro Bowler. He was a great college player too. Not that that matters for anything, but uh, just over 200 touchdowns, 35,000 passing yards in. Uh, how many seasons has he played? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So this will be his nine. tenth season to that point. Um, losing record, sixty-five percent completion rate. This is a good quarterback that you all he's ever known is Las Vegas, right, or Oakland, technically too. Um, but I like the gamble if you're New Orleans. I mean, they've just had have had too much instability every time you're reaching into the bag and saying, all right, Taysom Hill, you're going to have to play quarterback this game, right? They've just too much stuff has gone wrong in uh, New Orleans since Drew Brees is retired. So now you don't have to worry about trotting Jameis out there and him making stupid decisions and getting picked off every other play. Um, You know, Dalton is no longer there. Obviously they had Teddy Bridgewater at one point. So I like this for the Saints. I think in a division that's wide open, you kind of just have to go for it. And I'm, I think this is one of those things that because this, they're, the Saints did it because they didn't want anybody else in on them too, right? Who knows if the Falcons or Bucks would have scooped him up after that. He becomes the best quarterback in that division. I, I don't even think yeah. it's close. Um, no. Well, Heineke's unproven, right? I mean, you've got a couple of – he's been too streaky, so – it's one I, and that's another point. Like where you know this this division has a ton of quarterbacks, and I don't think the starters in all four of these teams will be the starters by week eighteen. I agree with that. Inter- even Derek Carr, you all think he four? would get benched? I don't know if he'll get benched. I just think that maybe an injury, maybe they did maybe, bring back Jameis. You know, they did bring back Jameis, Taysom Hill's still around. I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uncertainty still. Because, again, Derek Carr, did he not get benched with the Raiders? He did at the end, but I think that was more the Josh McDaniels regime being like, hey, this is the last year. Um, Not the last year on his contract, but if they didn't cut him, I believe it was three days after the Super Bowl. If they didn't cut him by then, they were going to take a $40 million cap hit. And with Mm -hmm. the new regime, they were like, we don't want to pay that much when we need to rebuild and we need to set up the way. We want to be set up and they went and got Jacoby Myers and then trade away Darren Waller to clear up even more cap space. So obviously they're rebuilding regardless. Um, Rebuilding. I say that very loosely. Um, They're trying to gear this roster back up to where they want it to be. Um, So I think that I forget where I was going with my point, but um, no, but I could see all four quarterbacks not start. I think Derek Carr is the best shot out of everyone to play the entire year. Um, for my take on the contract, I love the contract for Derek Carr, for Derek Carr purposes. I think he is a good quarterback. Um, he's been borderline top 12 for me. Uh, for those that follow my position ranking roulette, he's been like 10 to 12 the past few years. Um, he's He won't be on it this year, most likely. Um, haven't gone into the QBs yet. little sneak preview there. But for the Saints, I, I hate the contract. This is the team that is losing a lot of defensive guys. You lost Caden Ellis, who's a sleeper of a player who will do very good on the Falcons. They lost Marcus Davenport to the Vikings. They lost David Onyemata to the Falcons, I believe. That's where he's going. Michael Thomas is going to have a huge cap hit next season or the season after. I know it's going to be upwards of $58 million. Uh, shy tuttle um, to Carolina. I thought yeah, they uh, shy uh, to Carolina. They restructure Michael Thomas? Uh, I don't believe they've restructured Michael. I think they re-signed him to... 
I know they re-signed him to an extra year, I think, to alleviate some of the cap. Um, so, but he'll be 34 by the time that contract's over. So is it worth it for someone who had one really fantastic season and another good season and then has kind of been in and out with the injury bugs, you know? So if and they are they've been in cap hell for the past four off seasons. So if it were me and I was the Saints, I would have just cleared house, done what the Bucks are doing. You're not going to win this division. Yes, like you can win the division now just based on how all the other teams are. But I believe you would still have a decent shot if you just shelled off your roster this season and the next and was able to compete with the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Falcons who are all just kind of in limbo with their rosters also. Like this is going to be a bad division for a few years. Why not shell off everyone and then try to rebuild this roster from where it's at right now? That's me. I think they're going, they want the easy division win. I can respect that. This roster is not going to win a playoff game, just where it's at right now and where it can go based on how limited they are with cap room. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jordan all the way on this. The, the Saints are a team I would love to see just, just blow it all up. Um, it feels like they're still trying to cling on to a window that closed when Drew Brees retired, and they thought it was just plug and play. Let's put another quarterback and we'll run it back, and that's just – it's never been the case. Um, you, you know, you hate to see them lose all these guys in free agencies when they could have, you know, flipped them last year and actually gotten picks and been able to um, draft replacements. But it, it's just – Derek Carr feels like a $140 million Band-Aid, and it, it, it almost feels directionless, what they're doing. Um, I, I understand the division is weak, and it, you know, a few games go your way, you could win it, but there, there's no shortcuts when it comes to building a good roster, and it feels like the Saints are just full of Band-Aids, and it's, it's not going to get them anywhere. Speaking of Band-Aids, and we talked about it briefly, but the, the Raiders – now they add Jimmy G. He gets a fresh start. He gets, I, I would say, a decrease in talent, obviously, from the 49ers, but he's back with Josh McDaniels. Uh, pretty big contract. I mean, you got to tip the cap to Jimmy G because from a backup and apparent heir to Tom Brady in New England to getting traded to San Francisco, signing the bag, uh, bringing the team to the Super Bowl, he gets another payday. So what do we like about this? What do we like about the fit, the contract, or dislike? Uh, what are our thoughts? I think the contract is, you know, decent enough for a talent like Jimmy G. Um, you you kind of alluded to this, but it, it does feel kind of band-aid-y in the fact that they're a team that probably should just blow it all up, but they simply refuse to, and they're going to, um, you know, suffer through three years of up-and-down quarterback play and – um, you know, not get, not be in the position to draft the players that will really turn the franchise around. Um, it's a shame too, because when they were in that position a few years ago, they had a terrible GM and coach and just blew all those picks away. Um, but I mean, Jimmy G's fine in Vegas. Um, he'll be fine. Uh, Josh Jacobs is still there, so that'll be a great help for him. Um, most likely, Deponte will still be there. I'd be, I want to keep an eye on if he wants to just like pull the plug and just, you know, get out of Dodge. Um, <laughs> But, I don't know, he'll be fine. Colin Coward had a really stupid take on Jimmy G, but that's bothering me, but he'll be fine. <laughs> no well, Twitter fights with Colin Coward yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. He's, he's, on, he's one of my uh, white whales. He'll, I'll get him eventually. You got Colin's... Bomani in the pocket already. I love Oh, him. I got Bomani. John Heyman's a regular. Um, yes, he – never forget when he followed you for about three seconds. Yeah, that was great. Unfollowed you. 
It's uh, <laughs> you know, pour one out for John Heyman. But I'll make my point quick on Jimmy G. He's 40 and 17, right? People forget that this guy's won a lot of football games already. Um, he went 13 and three in San Francisco just four years ago. I think he's got some stuff left in the tank and all credit to him. He's just sort of hung around. We're going to see if he's a good quarterback again, right? If he, if that was all just a fluke um, or if, you know, he actually belongs in the, Hey, was this guy good category? So, so that's it. I say, uh, you know, Myers is in town now too. another weapon for him, right? He's not WR one on that team, but he's a, a reliable option. I think it's a good place for him. Yeah, I think the Raiders are in a super interesting spot because they still have, regardless of getting rid of Waller, they still have really good receiving weapons with Adams, Jacoby Myers is the two, Hunter Renfro is the slot. And if you want to rock with Foster Moreau as the tight end, you can. I think they can trade back and get a really good rookie tight end in the first round. Um, But this is going to be the first time Jimmy G's had a team that has not a great offensive line besides Colton Miller. Um a defense that's kind of, I'm not going to say in shambles, but is not a good defense by any means. Derek Carr with the Raiders never had a season where their defense was higher than top 20 in the league. This is going to be the same deal for Jimmy G. This defense will not be in the top half of the league, um, even if they do pick up some key free agents, which I don't think they will, just based on what they have available for cap. So we're going to see, can Jimmy G do this with a team that doesn't have a loaded defense and doesn't have a good offensive line? He does have the offensive weapons, but will he be able to be that same game manager, quick game, West Coast style quarterback that we're used to seeing him when he's under pressure and doesn't have the defense to give him support when he's not playing well? It's good. And especially playing in a very tough AFC West. I'm fully expecting Russell Wilson to bounce back next year. You got Justin Herbert, who is still going to have most of his offensive weapons. Even if Eckler gets traded, they'll figure out a good running back um, to put in place of him. And then obviously the Chiefs are loaded. Uh, even with losing Juju Smith, most likely going to lose Mikkel Hardman. They're going to have Sky Moore in his second year, Kadarius Toney, who had a, a bunch of good moments this year. I know you don't like that, but I think he's going to he's gonna pop off. And obviously you have Travis Kelsey, who is uh, receiver one, regardless if you put him at tight end or receiver. Um, so it's going to be a really tough division to compete in. Um, I'm similar with you, James. I think they should have just blown it up the way it was. Um, but I think they're in a better position to make the push than the Saints are, even though the division is much tougher, just based on how good the offensive skill position players are. And you pick up maybe one or two key free agents. You have a really good draft. You can plug and play rookies at those lackluster spots. I think they can figure it out. So any other names tossed around the league that you like the fit? Uh, we teased about Baker a little bit. Um, you have guys like Andy Dalton getting a fresh start, and he's, you know, could be a starter, could be a serviceable backup. Who knows what the situation over is in uh, Carolina, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have guys like um, – who's just on the top of my head that I forgot – Baker, Andy Dalton. Oh, Taylor Heineke, who could also get the shot with Atlanta. Anybody uh, stick out to you folks? I like Heineke in Atlanta for some weird reason. I think um, there are some weapons and sort of similar to the fact that, you know, there are a couple good young receivers, uh, just as he had in in Washington with McLaurin. Um, you know, again, guys that are good, uh, 
individually, but not, you know, they just, they, they don't have the team uh, backing. Right. So it's a flyer, right? The saints went one way. Atlanta went the cheaper route. Um, and weirdly, these guys might end up in the same exact spot. Who knows? Uh, low risk, high reward in Atlanta. I like it. Yeah, this almost feels like an NFC South pre-draft preview with with all these like just band-aid <laughs> quarterbacks they're all signing. Um, I love Andy, just period. Not necessarily in Carolina. I just love Andy Dalton. I think he's the best backup in the NFL. Um, I think he was, you know, borderline still starting caliber when the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow. It was just, you know, you have the first overall pick, you have a generational quarterback, and your franchise wants to go in a specific direction. Obviously, that's going to happen. But I, I don't know. Andy Dalton is just awesome. He's bounced around the league. He's going to get you your three touchdowns and two interceptions, and, you know, he's going to do his thing. I wanted to uh, bring up the Jacoby Brissett signing. Um, I think Jacoby's a good quarterback. He was very efficient last season in Cleveland. Actually played better than Deshaun Watson from an efficiency standpoint and a production standpoint. I don't understand why the commander signed him, though. Like, I know Sam Howell's not proven. He had one good game. Whatever the case is, Brissette's, they signed him for Brissette to start. No matter what they say, no matter what anyone else thinks. I think Sam Howell should have gotten a shot. And if it didn't work out great, you'll probably get the top pick in the draft. that can go after Caleb Williams. Um, but it's just very weird to me that they would pick up Brissett. I think Brissett is a good quarterback and is a good bridge guy. You could start. Um, I just didn't really understand the signing on that. So that's really the one player I wanted to bring up was just kind of question marks around signing him when you have Sam Howell, who had a good finish to 2022. At least give him a shot. And I'm not saying Howell won't get a shot, but with Brissett there, it's going to make it much tougher for him to get a legitimate look. And then we have guys that are. Oh, no, no, you go, Jake. I was going to transition the topic. So if you've got something before we go to the new guys, then let's do it. I was going to say, and then we got some returning faces uh, Geno right. Smith, Daniel Jones head back to their respective teams. Uh, People laughed at the contracts. I am in favor of both of them, honestly. I think they both deserve the payday. Uh, I think they both provide the best opportunity for their respective teams, but want to hear everyone else's opinions. I like both in terms of keeping familiarity in there. I think Gino got a good payday based on what he did last year. If it's a one-hit wonder, then it's going to be a bad contract. But same thing could be said for Daniel Jones. Both did well at what their offenses were structured to do. Um, I like the Daniel Jones because he is so young and still early into his career. I think it's a fine contract. Some people will say overpay. I think the jury's still out on it. Um, I could go either way. He Daniel Jones obviously did very well in that table offense. And I'm also of the same mindset that they could have done the same thing with a rookie QB, go get Anthony Richardson. Um, if you can trade up and get him, because I think he'll be a top 10 guy just based on the ceiling that he has. Um, so I'm, I'm of both mindsets. You could rock with Daniel Jones. You could have dumped him and gotten a rookie. Um, I think either or is going to work out for the Giants. I think the Seahawks, the fact that they can ink in Geno Smith at the contract he's getting and still load up. They have the number five overall pick and the number 20 overall pick in this draft. They can load up the defense. The offense is pretty much already set. Um, I think both contracts are good for the value they're getting and the security they're getting for their team. 
All right. So before we head into the draft, because we are all super excited to see who's getting picked. Uh, obviously, the Panthers moved up, but they could be moving down. But we have a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. So DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Massachusetts. Don't bet with some out-of-town sportsbook. Bet local from the comfort of your home with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with the code BBB will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly. When you bet $5 or more, DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use the code BBB to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on anything, that's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Visit GameSenseMA.com. 21 plus, physically present in Massachusetts. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Pre-launch offer participants void. Terms at DraftKings.com slash MA. So we got the draft. We got the draft. We got the draft. The Panthers are the ones with the number one pick. Looking at the DraftKings odds right now, C.J. Stroud is at minus 260. Anthony Richardson, plus 275. Bryce Young, plus 330. And Will, uh, Will Levis, plus 5,000. Do you think, one, the Panthers select C.J. Stroud, or two, they trade back and try to recuperate some of the picks that they moved around? I don't you know, I thought uh, – oh, you got Jordan. I don't think that you trade up in the draft to trade back just a few more picks. Um, that could very well be what the Panthers are doing. I wouldn't be shocked if that's what they did. But if you're going to trade up for the number one overall pick and there are four quarterbacks who are good and can be starters on day one, why wouldn't you just take a flyer on one? Even if they took Anthony Richardson and he's not – the best QB right now. If you truly believe in his ability, go get Anthony Richardson. Um, in terms of the CJ Stroud, um, I think he's the best QB in this draft as of right now. The only downside I've seen with this game, he didn't get pressured a whole lot. So we don't know what he can do um, when he's pressured consistently play after play. He has shown good mobility when he is pressured and good accuracy outside the pocket has great poise in the pocket, will miss some throws here and there, but it's exactly what you expect from a quarterback with his uh, talent that's surrounding him. Um, he's not going to have great offensive talent with the Panthers to start, but I think C.J. Stroud, from a talent perspective, is the best QB in this class. If you can get him, they got him Hayden Hurst, who's serviceable. If you can get another receiver in this draft and then pick up another big free agent next season – I think CZ Stroud is the best bang for your buck that you're going to get with that number one overall pick just as it stands right now. You buy into Ohio State quarterbacks? So I, I used to not. Um, and I think since Ryan Day has been there, obviously we're seeing what's happening with Justin Fields, right? He does make some poor throws here and there, but he has relatively no supporting cast. Um, and he put up some pretty solid numbers in his second season, first full season as a starter. Um, and the thing that a lot of people misconstrue, he was not a running quarterback at Ohio State. He was very much a pocket passer who could escape when he needed to. And he has become a massive dual threat QB at the NFL level. 
I think if we're talking about Urban Meyer, Ohio State quarterbacks, I would never take a shot on them. But Ryan Day, Ohio State quarterbacks, just based on the mechanics, it's not a true spread style offense where they're they're not going to have any tight ends in the box. They're now putting tight ends on the line. They're using multiple tight ends in sets. They're using multiple running backs. It's much more of a pro style offense that we see today, much more modern rather than the high school college spread style. Um, so I think Ohio State QBs nowadays are a better shot than they were even five years ago. Um, so I think CJ Stroud is worth the first overall pick personally. And just based on what I've seen, he's uh, Bryce Young makes some unbelievable plays. Um, but from a consistency standpoint, I 100% trust CJ Stroud more than Bryce Young. So if the Panthers are going CJ Stroud at one, what do the Texans do at number two? I think the, the Texans have to take a guy like uh, Bryce Young. That's my opinion. Um, you know, Young to me, the comparisons are Tony Romo right now because he's smaller. He's got the smaller frame, but he is really good in the pocket. He's poised. He's creative, but he also lends himself to this new that Jordan sort of just mentioned with Stroud a different way, but he his game caters to this new style of NFL, right? Like, you know, he's improving. Um, he's creative in avoiding pressure, right? He's he's throwing the ball at these crazy angles, and it kind of reminds me of Mahomes, right? Um, but he's also just a, a a good quarterback, right? Like he makes good reads, and his progressions are really good. Um, and Jesus Christ, the Texans are. When's the last time like they've how many years has it been since they've had like an actual quarterback over there? Right. Sorry, Davis Mills. But I mean, they, they're in desperation mode. So if this is the guy you can get here, I say you got to go get him. Right. I think it's not that I'm out on Anthony Richardson. I just think he lends himself to something better like uh you know, that fits his game, right? Like maybe it's Washington, maybe it's the Colts. I honestly think there's a world where the Panthers take him first, to be honest. Um, but but I think Houston shouldn't overthink this one and just take Bryce Young. Can't go wrong with an Alabama guy. Moving down. Now, I was going to originally go directly right to the Colts, but I'm going to stop at number three. Because we got Jordan here with the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> All eyes are pointing at defense. However... You have Kyler Murray for a long time with the extension. He is going to be out the whole year. Uh, he'll be back midseason, most likely. If I were him, I would sit out the whole year because it's a rebuilding year anyways. Don't hurt yourself. Don't get pinged any longer. He'll get a lot of shit for it. But if I was him, I wouldn't play at all this year. Um, but knowing Kyler, he'll be back by week anywhere between week five and six. Are you? Or five and eight, excuse me. The cap situation in Arizona, you're kind of fixing up some of the financial situations. Mm -hmm. Would you take a flyer rookie and groom him for the future and move on from Kyler, or is it you're riding high? No, take a defender. Um, I think if we move on from Kyler, it's a huge um, cap hit that we're going to take, and we're going to lose a lot of money dead cap. I think it's $60 million one year, um, and I think 80 over the lifetime of his contract. We can't afford that, um, even though we do have a good amount of cap space. Um, best player on the board that will be there is Will Anderson. 100% take Will Anderson. Um, or trade back, 
get a couple more first and second round picks, beef up the O-line and D-line, um, and go from there. The the Cardinals will most likely end up with the number one overall pick next year just based on where the roster is and do the same thing, trade back in Hall. Um, so me personally, I would take Anderson this year, knowing that you're going to have a top three pick again next year, and then have one of those top picks is more trade leverage and go get more picks for 2024, 2025, because this rebuild is going to take at least two or three years, um, regardless of how Kyler plays when he comes back from injury. But definitely don't take a QB here. Makes no sense. Fair enough. Had to ask. Had mm-hmm. to ask. Appreciate so now it. We'll, we'll head to the Colts, who have been on a QB carousel since Andrew Luck has left, unfortunately. Uh, they just cut Matt Ryan. Uh, who's the guy that they draft here if it is a quarterback? I, I think the more the more interesting piece of this is not who the Colts take, but then who falls. Um, because I, I before this, I, I had the Raiders penciled in um, as taking the fourth quarterback off the board, and you're kind of locked into Jimmy G now. I'm not sure what the, what the cutting situation is and how much money you can void, uh, however many years down the road. But you seem kind of married to Jimmy G for a little bit now. Um, so, you know, Colts, do they want to take the riskier pick in Richardson? I mean, he's the the more kind of home run pick you want to go for when your franchise has been starved since Philip, not Philip Rivers. He was the first replacement. Um, Andrew Luck back, what was it, 2017, 2018? Um, I think Richardson can become that sort of, you know, that that the next like face of the league kind of talent. Um, Will Levis, who is a bit safer, but. You know, he's not as much of a, a, a guy you put on all the billboards, but he's going to be a I, – I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's the uh, – sort of the Justin Herbert going to sneak up on you with his talent kind of thing. Also, uh, Connecticut represent. He's from Southington. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would probably say Richardson. I'd go with my gut, and then you look at who's going to trade up into the top ten. Um, Tennessee, what's their situation with Ryan Tannehill, a guy we didn't really talk about tonight but could be on his way out. Um Washington, I mean, you know, they might try out Sam Howell. They signed Jacoby Brissett, but they need a franchise guy. You know, we'll see. I think I think the Raiders kind of um, eliminated one of the dominoes that's going to fall in the top ten, and that opens up a spot for somebody else to trade in. Right, and those are pretty much the main four quarterbacks that we're expecting in the first round. So to wrap things up, I mean, is there a team that either in the top 10 already so you know you have uh seattle who just obviously signed geno smith but it's a contract that they can eventually move forward on they did right by signing him but you know they're not necessarily tied to the future with him right um you mentioned the titans obviously they have Tannehill, but they also have willis it's like yeah not too sure there or is there a surprise team that could trade up for a guy like richardson or um levis or somebody else I think don't sleep on Detroit. That's the only thing that I can't figure out what their game plan is. Goff is, has it was fine. Uh, he I think was better than a lot of people made him out to be last year. But Detroit's another one. They've been associated with Lamar to to talk to him. They've been associated with a couple other names. Don't be surprised if they trade up. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to go same thing there. The Lions are a team that definitely could. I think Jared Goff was very good last year. Um, based on what I've seen so far and just looking at the numbers, he is clearly a guy that Detroit wants and wants to keep there. 
Uh, Jared Goff went from being the worst third down quarterback in 2021 to one of the best in 2022. So clearly improvement when they gave him weapons. Um, I think it is a sleeper pick, but the team that I would expect more to trade up and go get someone like that would honestly be the Vikings. They do want to rework Kirk's contract, but I think it's because they want to shorten it and give him more bang for his buck. I think they could trade up um, and be a sneaky team that does take a QB early. Um, kind of like what happened with Kellen Mond, even though they didn't trade up, they tried to develop Kellen, didn't really work out. So they want to go for more top end talent, whether that's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, whatever the case may be. Vikings could be a sneaky team that moves up because they are going to have to shell out players. They're already cutting a bunch of guys cap hit wise. They're probably going to cut a few more as a Darius Smith. Dalvin Cook could be someone they either trade away or cut uh, just based on his cap hit, Harrison Smith. Um, so plenty of guys that they can shell off and get rid of to open up the cap to pay Kirk Cousin what he needs for the next year or two and then develop someone behind him and get ready to pay that quarterback as well. So I think Vikings are a sneaky team that could come up there just based on a development standpoint. I'll put my dark horse in that in the uh, ring, all depending on the contract situation of Lamar. But if the Ravens end up getting those additional picks, um, who, I mean, again, I guess you do have pro bowler uh, Huntley in the mix, right? That could lead Baltimore to the promised land. But I would say that this would be the opportunity where it's like, okay, clean slate. You have some more money in the bank. Um, you know, go develop your guy and go build talent around him. Love those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll have our yeah. mock draft soon. A couple weeks till our mock draft. Soon. So yeah. we'll, we'll dive into all this stuff, but uh, gents, we did it. We broke down the quarterbacks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. Um, we're going to talk to you real soon. That's for sure. So yeah. thanks for, thanks for having on. us on, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it.